This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. Usually the song is two out of three ain't bad. How about one out of three? We don't have Austin Huff. We don't have Mike Berardino. He is calling in remotely, probably doing some Christmas shopping out and about. This is the holiday edition of Pot of Gold for Thursday, December 21st. Do we have a few things to talk about? I think we have a few things to talk about. Forget March Madness, ladies and gentlemen. How about Delirious December? Because although you can't see Mike Berardino, I can see Mike Berardino. And I think I see his laptop still smoldering because since the season ended with the game and the win out at Stanford in late November, news has been nonstop almost every single day. We've got transfers. We've got opt-outs. We've got coaching moves. We've got football awards. How about Xavier Watts, the defensive player of the National Defensive Player of the Year in college football? We're probably not going to get to all the news because if we did, this would be like a five-hour podcast. Kind of like my basketball chats when I go six, six and a half hours. We're not going six and a half hours with this podcast. So I am Tom Noy. I don't, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to He's challenge that. He's jumping in already, I, ladies I know, and gentlemen. I know I how those chats go. You don't have to, hey, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to be answering and considering, a, a, in, you know, without interruption for it to be a six or seven hour ordeal as you make it. I, I'm going to guess that you take a few side trips uh, to the store or, or, or to the to the recycling bin or whatever during those. And so it's not like you're just, but, but if you want to go a six and a half, that's remarkable. Uh, actually, Mike, I'm out raking leaves for like an hour and a half and yeah. then I come back in. No, I'm not actually. It's, I'm, I'm doing other work. Really? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But yeah, and it's it's not an yeah. ordeal. I would do. I would make it nine hours if I could because it's oh. basketball, even though it's bad basketball. And we may even get to some of that bad basketball later on in the podcast. Notre Dame men's basketball right now, four and seven after being waxed by the Citadel on Tuesday. And all indications before we start talking football and start talking Notre Dame signing class. All indications is Notre Dame is going to fall to 4-8 and eight when they play Marist at home on Friday. Marist is a top-10 national defensive team. They are allowing, I think, teams to shoot under 40%, maybe 35% from the field. So the Irish bas- men's basketball team has its hands full on Friday. We'll see how that goes. But Mr. Berardino has had his hands full since the season ended, as we talked about. And Wednesday, National Signing Day. And if you go to ND Insider, Mike Berardino handed out his recruiting grades. He gave the Irish class an A minus. Professor Berardino, why an A minus? Uh, well, because uh, you got to give them something to strive for, don't you? You can't you can't be uh, uh, pom 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 poming your whole way through this job. Uh, no, I struggled to, to to find the 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 minus part of it, but um, especially considering that. Um, there were just the three decommits this year. It was such an issue last year. It was something that I touched on in uh, several different uh, files this time. But uh, you know, even Marcus Freeman brought brought up uh, unprompted that they were proud that uh, there were no decommits uh, within the senior year, the senior season of a uh, of of one of their uh, targets. Uh, the last one was July first. Isaiah Canyon, the wide receiver from 
Chancy Stuckey's hometown, uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. And um, that's it. So obviously there may have been some other attempts to flip some people that, from other recruiting lists, but they weren't able to. Uh, but they held on to the people along the way who said they were going to be Irish, and they turned out to be Irish. And that's in this era of the portal and the NIL uh, rumor mongering and, and everybody with their hand out. And, uh, you know, that's, that's quite an achievement to hold on like that. Notre Dame signing class. They signed 23 players, 11 on offense, 12 on defense from 15 different states. It's a top 10 ranked class nationally, depending on what recruiting service you listen to or monitor, that sort of thing. Top nine, top eight. What difference does it make? Every coach in the country has an outstanding recruiting class. Does any coach, head coach get up and say, yeah, you know what? We had a bad recruiting year. Our recruiting year. Dion. Well, Dion, Dion, dude. He's, Dion. He's, he's, he's working the portal, though. That's pricey. Boy, to have a five-man signing class, that is that is asking for trouble. We'll see how that goes out there. But um, I did uh, notice, like you said, I, I see you have a list that shows uh, – the breakdown that way. Notre Dame handed something out um, as well that uh, that uh, kind of at the last second moved uh, uh, Bronte Johnson over there to athlete. And so they could say 11 offense, 11 defense, one athlete, because he's got two-way capability, I suppose, over in Fort Wayne. But, um, uh, yeah, 23 uh, plus the six um, transfers. So that's, uh, that's a lot of uh, new faces and uh, – new pronunciations to master and uh, a lot of talent to, to move into the mix. And, and what Freeman and his uh, staff have shown is they are not afraid to play people uh, right out of the shoot if they earn it. And so we'll, it'll be interesting to see who among this group can earn it. I'll bet you asked that at some point. That was going to be my next question, but I can move that back because of those 23 players, uh, this is how bizarre college football has already has been and, and is currently. Of those 23 players, they signed on Wednesday, but there was already a, a, a commitment from the class of 2024 on campus and practicing with this Notre Dame football team in preparation for the Sun Bowl, which, by the way, comes up a week from Friday, December 29th, El Paso, Texas. 2 o'clock kickoff Eastern time from the Sun Bowl on CBS. C.J. Carr is already on campus. He's already taken reps behind Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie. We saw a very, very small window, practice window, three periods, which is 15 minutes to you and I the other day. What did you see from C.J. Carr? He doesn't look, he doesn't look like he should be a high school senior. He kind of already looks the part a little bit. No, I mean, I, the, the, the hype uh, has been out there for a while about him uh, on the field and, of course, off the field. That that continues because he does seem like uh, leadership capabilities and uh, maturity beyond his years and, you know, renouncing Michigan to come here and set his own path. That's uh, that's encouraging for Notre Dame fans. But, um, you know, to, to read anything into uh, the way the ball came off his hand or anything, that would be silly. We've all seen highlights of him. I didn't get a chance to go up and see him in person this year. I wish I had, but as a high schooler up the road in Saline. But, um, you know, his, his final high school game was a disaster because they couldn't protect him. But he is mobile and, um, uh, you know, he's a good athlete. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, I'd have to believe it can only be positive for him to get here this early uh, from a college football standpoint, I always have a little pause 
and there will be 15 total. Marcus Freeman said uh, early enrollees in January in this class out of the 23. I believe that's 15 of the 23. Usually it's around 12. But uh, I always feel, uh, you know, for those guys that um, go ahead and give up their senior year, their final semester of high school, big man on campus senior year, um, they've earned that, uh, that victory lap, and, and they have to fast forward their lives. But and as, as Freeman pointed out yesterday correctly, you know, there, there are there's no there can be two rights, as he said it. You know, there, there, mm-hmm. you can show up in June and be best center Kyle Hamilton or as he always likes to bring up Sauce Gardner uh, or, you know, Jeremiah Love. But um, or you can come in January and, and fast forward things. Or, of course, it, it doesn't guarantee anything either way. Some more notes about this Notre Dame uh, football recruiting class. Two top 50 guys, Cam Williams, Gerby Lambert, four offensive linemen, four defensive linemen. And Marcus Freeman has said it always starts with the quarterback. So we'll start with C.J. Carr. He was one of the first commitments to this class. He comes in as, as an early enrollee. As Mike said, there will be 15 when, this, when the spring semester starts on January 16th. They'll go through spring practice. We've seen C.J. Carr. Who else on the list, Mike, jumps out as a guy that when he gets on campus, spring ball, either spring ball or fall camp, you want to look at and keep an eye on who could possibly help this team in 2024? KVA. KVA. We knew that uh, just from the... uh the clips and the and the signing shots. Uh, he's a he's a big dude, Kingston Viliamu Asa, but um, you know the linebacker, but Butkus Award High School Butkus Award finalist. There's a need at linebacker, even with Jack Kaiser surprising everyone by coming back or surprising many, and that's an important uh, re- retention because there's no better Sherpa for the young guys than Jack Kaiser, and he can still play as well. Uh, highly rated. Uh, by Pro Football Focus in his uh, limited snaps. But, um, no, Marcus is saying that the KVA is uh, – or he doesn't call them KVA yet. I, that's I, that's that's us. We're, we're going to have to copyright that. But uh, I just don't want to have to spell that every time. But he's got, you know, Kingston with two N's. Two N's. That's how – yeah, he hits like a, a, a so hard ton of bricks with two N's. But um, – <laughs> Uh, I think they're going to give him a shot to um, to just come right in and, and earn playing time. And, and uh, I can imagine at the very least special teams going to be a, a you know, plan wrecker. So um, he's one. Cam Williams out there at wide receiver. Um, certainly the, the five stars would indicate. And, um, you know, when Marcus Freeman says that uh, they've they've timed Williams at 4.4 seconds in the 40 multiple times, you know, they've seen it. It's not just um, lore. That's uh, that's something I think they'll find a way to use whoever the offensive coordinator may be. That's another topic, isn't it? Yes, on, it on is. Today's show. And, um, you know, just there'll be people that surprise us because, Tom, no one in June of 2022 was saying uh, – Hey, I'll bet that Ben Morrison yeah. turns out to be the, the best uh, the best cornerback uh, among all the freshmen in the country. Nobody was saying that that, that I can recall. If, if you find it, let me know. But uh, so that you know, the, the door is open for somebody like that. And you know, the very fact that um, we're going to see. Let me get this right now. Charles Jagusaw, 
uh, is going to get his first start uh, now that his knee is fully healed up. He, and Joe Alt's off to the NFL. Charles will be starting at left tackle as a freshman. Uh, if Gerby Lambert, if if all that checks out and and he can you know get the get the hang of it, um, you know maybe at some point he's pushing for playing time by the by fall camp. I mean that's that's a lot to ask of any offensive lineman, but there there is a need at tackle. There's a need for excellence at tackle with both Alt and Fisher moving on. Wait, so now is it does do we have a different pronunciation for Charles Jagasaw? Yeah. Yeah, well, stop saying it that way because I, I came out of Tuesday's pressers. It. Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta follow me on Twitter. So the um, uh, we I was right there, and uh, Tyler James asked him uh, for that to, to break down, and I and I said I followed up there and and uh, I listened to it, you know, repeatedly, and uh, he says it, jog, you saw, uh, jog you saw, jog, jog you, you saw, saw. not jagasaw. Saw. So everything. You, yeah, everything you heard before, uh, you're gonna. It's gonna require. That's the whole thing about when you start. That's why I mentioned pronunciations in general. You know, nothing worse. I mean, believe me, I know it's like to have your name mispronounced. And but the minute you say it the wrong way, it'll all. It just lodges in there, whatever it is, uh, forever. And and uh, just like misspellings. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna constantly have to check myself on on that extra I in Viliamu. I want. I keep wanting to leave off that second I. Who cares? For me, I mean, who cares in the audience? It's very important to the family. I'm going to get it right. Kingston, Viliamuasa, every time. But KVA is so much easier. Um, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fun. It's going to be a fun class to get to know. 15 in the spring, and the fact that the you know the, I hope that they again let us uh, sit down and speak to these fellas mm-hmm. uh, when they get here. I think it's good for them. It's certainly good for us, um, and that all helps expedite uh, you know pronunciations and. And the backstory and the and the building of a of a new crop of uh, contributors and and young heroes. What kind of a step was it for Marcus Freeman and his staff not to have any drama on Wednesday? No recruiting drama. No guys flipping. This guy's going to Oregon or this guy's going to Colorado. It was a quiet day, relatively speaking, for Notre Dame football recruiting. They had all twenty three guys in place before ten thirty in the morning on Wednesday. No late signees, no late surprises, just a solid effort in his really, really his first true recruiting class at Notre Dame for Marcus Freeman, right? Well, I mean, I think last year's, um, you have to say last year's was a full recruiting cycle, at least that year, you know, anymore you have to get to know them, you're right, as as even sophomores in high school, but uh, if not earlier, but um, uh, I, I think he certainly had to have learned some things and the, and the whole recruiting group uh, from the way it went. Um, you know, what, what does it really mean? What did it really mean when Peyton Bowen kept taking recruiting visits after being committed since New Year's Day, since the Fiesta Bowl kept, oh, I'll just go check out Alabama. Oh, I'll go check out Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And, and you weren't, yeah, you weren't hearing that this time. Uh, you didn't have the Keon Keeley uh, situation. You, you, um, these guys uh, really, you know, the, the, the Shamrocks meant something on social media this time when they kept putting that out there. And they and they and CJ Carr had a lot to do with it. But then Drake Bowen did everything he could a year ago to to keep that group together um, and almost did. But um, I think uh, it is a, it's a good indication that they could spend all that. Hey, 
How about the fact that they were able to pivot? Maybe this is a good segue or maybe we have to carry it over. But uh, that um, that uh, 24K vault video that will be nominated, the latest uh, Fighting Irish Media production that will be nominated for a for an Emmy or whatever you get, um, where, uh, you know, they had to splice in a little, like, let's get Gino speaking, you know, and then they had to, they, I'm, I'm sure they probably had a version, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine they had a version with Jared Parker, and then they had to cut him out, and then they had to work in, you know, uh, give his lines over to, I don't know, maybe maybe O'Leary got to speak more, and um, it was uh, it was it was really good stuff, and uh, uh, that can only, um, you know, make the, make a, a, a staff that is is pretty suave seem even um, suaver, yeah, if that's a word, <laughs> when they try to recruit. And for the next round, 25, 26, um, because uh, they're working on those classes already. I mean, they, they really said it. And, and Marcus Freeman, I'm not sure there's a topic he masters uh, or seems to uh, rise to uh, – more than recruiting. I mean, he's good on just about everything. But yesterday, you know, every every question was a, it was a it was an excellent answer. And he just he's, he's you can see why it resonates in the living room. You can see why the the uh, the texting throughout the year isn't a chore to these guys. They really the relate when they talk about relationships and they want these guys to to build it. It's um, I, I can imagine that uh, um, it, it's 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 real and um and that must be a reason why notre dame is looking at two straight top 12 classes the 247 composite a year ago dropped to 12 after some of those late reversals but um nothing wrong with 12 nothing wrong with 10 and um you know then it's about development and the fact that you held them together and then they come in early and you know you you what your word was your bond in both directions and you develop trust which you hear about it's hard to imagine trust fully existing in modern college football but perhaps uh, it's it's still just as important as, as it's ever been if you can get to that point where they'll listen to you and they believe you as coaches that you know try it this way you've never tried it this way before in a fundamental sense um it will work um all that is uh, is going to flow right off of uh, what we heard yesterday if uh, if it goes to plan. Not only was Wednesday National Signing Day for high school seniors and the 23 that signed with Notre Dame, but they also trotted out word on the six transfers that have now made it official at Notre Dame. Those guys are in no particular order. Well, maybe some particular order. Quarterback Riley Leonard <laughs> transfers from Duke. Bo Collins was a wide receiver at Clemson. He's now at Notre Dame. Chris Mitchell, wide receiver, Florida International. Jordan Clark, defensive back at Arizona State. R.J. Obrin, defensive lineman from Duke also. And then Mitchell Jeter, kicker, South Carolina. So they add those. And is there any any bigger addition than Mitchell Jeter? <laughs> hey, don't. Don't laugh. It often comes down to the kicker, right? It does. Right? It um, does. And hey, that we well, we're we're going to talk about Riley Leonard, but Mitchell Jeter, he's 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 got there. There's a bar set from Blake Rupi and Spencer Schrader. The last two grad transfer kickers have been really good for Notre Dame, so the bar is there for Mitchell Jeter. He's going to have to be really good in 2024. We, I thought it was Mitch. You you're going Mitchell? I don't know. Is the it, names. I was, I was. I'm still trying to get uh, Jagusa down. How am I going to get? Well, now I got to worry yeah. about Mitch Mitchell. 
<laughs> Mike, think Michael, of it like Tom, almost Thomas. the second half of it. Like, think of the second half of it kind of like, kind of like Utah, you saw, jog, you saw, jog, jog you saw. Um, it, Mitch, Mitch Evans, Mitch, Mitch Evans, yes. and Mitch Jeter have the potential <laughs> for the the double Mitch Palooza. And uh, once once Evans gets back, that'll be fun. It'll be some that'll be used at some point. But uh, uh, I would like to to correct the record on something you didn't ask. Well, you mentioned R.J. Oban. I'm still I you know he was always R. Period J. Period at Duke, and even on his social media, and things switched here recently, where he, now he just goes without the periods, at, uh, a la DJ, a la C.J. Carr, and uh, and okay, that's fine. We can go with that. That's not a big issue. But we want to get it right. But there was a story told yesterday by Marcus about uh, a, a, an anecdote from Joe Alt, where yeah. essentially the idea was there, I guess Marcus and Alt are just driving around, going to pick up another award somewhere or, or be, you know, rejected by the Outland Trophy, sadly, or the Lombardi Award, or whatever. But, um, and then uh, Alt supposedly says, well, who are, you, who are you going after in the portal? And he says, well, there's a guy at Duke. You know, I'm going to – we're talking to this guy at Duke, Oban. And then uh, apparently, uh, as Marcus recalls, um, Alt said, oh, that guy, he's as good as I faced. Well, a couple of things. There was one – Joe Alt allowed one sack in, like, his final uh, uh, games, and it was against Duke. And, but it wasn't R.J. Oban because I went back and looked, and, and um, Duke had a great front. We were both sitting there. That was a big part of that night why Sam Hartman was always on the run, it seemed, because they couldn't protect him up the middle. They had so much pressure up the middle. The ends weren't really the issue. It was guys like, um, well, Jamie on Franklin had a huge game, and Aeneas Fubb Peebles had a big game, and now he's going to go to Virginia Tech uh, up just pressure up the gut. R.J. Oban only played 31 defensive snaps that night against Notre Dame, and he had a quarterback hurry out of the eight that Duke produced, and he had zero sacks out of the two that Duke produced, and he had no tackles for loss out of the three that Duke produced. So I don't think that's who Joe was thinking about. I think if he thinks back on that Duke game, it might have been like number 97, Wesley Williams, number 90, Carter, not number 94, R.J. Oban, but it's a great story. So who are we to sit here and tell the world that hasn't just passed the torch and endorsed that and say, yeah, go get that Oban guy. I couldn't block him. That wasn't the guy he couldn't block. And, of course, there's just about nobody that Joe Alt can't block. Well, who are we to say that Joe Alt – you just said it. You, it's revisionist history on Joe Alt's part. It wasn't R.J. Oban that gave him so much trouble. It was some other guy. But. No. Let's go with that because, like you said, it's a good story. So those are the six transfers. <laughs> obviously, obviously, we were joking about Mitch Jeter. The, the biggest transfer is mm-hmm. Riley Leonard, who will be or should be the starting quarterback in 2024. And interesting well, he that better be. He, he better be. Wait, Steve Angeli's on line one. He wants to have a little conversation about that. So yeah, it might actually boon you off, Mike. Steve wants to talk. So. Yeah, yeah, well, Steve, Steve right, Angeli's going to be. So it, it, it's Riley Leonard. He will not be here until sometime in January. He's with Duke at Duke's bowl game, whatever bowl game they're playing in. He's not going to play. Mike Elko is not going to coach. He's going to. He's at Texas A&M, obviously. So it'll it'll be a couple more weeks before Riley Leonard gets up here. But that was the guy they targeted early in the portal. That was the guy they went to go get. And Marcus Freeman did talk about that on Wednesday, saying he hopes that eventually they they 
lean more into the quarterback development situation at Notre Dame instead of running to the portal. But they'll never they'll never close off the portal totally when it comes to getting a quarterback, an experienced quarterback as well. Yeah, that's a tricky uh, question to answer. It's one we've discussed on this show, you know, with Tom mm-hmm. Lemming uh, during the season when it became apparent that, uh, that there was that issue before they totally decided Notre Dame whether to go portaling again at quarterback. But um, what is the overall long-term effect? Now, short-term, C.J. Carr is still, still uh, on board uh, at this moment. Uh, Steve Angeli is still here to start the Sun Bowl, and Kenny Minchie is still here to back him up. Um, but then um, Deuce Knight is still uh, committed and still uh, tweeting Shamrock So out of 2025 class. So that's all good for quarterback uh, pipeline. But how do you answer that properly? Because if you if you just say it flat out, we're not going to – I mean, it's all on the record. It's all captured with video and, and recorders, and, and, you know, you don't want to be – you don't want to make uh, concrete statements that you can't live up to, but you also don't want to say things that are so nebulous and ambiguous that, that uh, as you try to recruit quarterbacks, there's a kid in Tampa. Now they're going after in the 26 um, where Notre Dame just becomes known as transfer quarterback. You uh, that uh, could become the case. If you do this too often, it's three out of four years now. Um, it's not just Sam Hartman and Riley Leonard, it's Jack Cohn too. And so when there's a developmental breakdown of quarterbacks and how do you develop if you don't get on the field? Fair question. Um, Notre Dame and the fund, which came up a few times yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Freeman bringing it up that the fund has really stepped up the, the university of Notre Dame and, and, um, you know, uh, even the way, uh, Rico Flores Jr. answered the question about NIL the other day that we have up on our site, uh, giving an interview in Sacramento, talking about quarterbacks around the country. Quarterbacks really get the bag, you know. Well, yeah, they do, and that's that's yeah. that's and and it's he's not you know Matt Rule. He's he's he knows where the bag is at Nebraska now because they're able to steal the Georgia commit, Dylan Rayola. Um, they didn't do that for for a couple of gift cards to Chili's. So, um, you know, this, uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. You, 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 um, when you show that you can effectively go get who you feel was the best quarterback uh, now, uh, as Freeman said again yesterday, well, we went after Leonard because he was the best quarterback in this year's transfer portal. That's debatable. That's absolutely debatable. Sure. There's a, there's a, I, I think there's upside to Riley Leonard if he stays healthy. That's, that's very exciting. Uh, it's got NFL potential and he, the NFL was certainly looking at him if he had had a healthy productive year in 23, but, um, he's, you know, by the production, this is a, this is not Sam Hartman production wise, but there's a lot more, uh, ceiling. There's a lot more room to get to that ceiling. Sam was already at the ceiling known quantity just needed to keep him upright and they couldn't protect him well enough and they couldn't get open well enough to maximize Sam Hartman. And so that's why there were the three losses. That's the shorthand for the year. And that, in that version, Riley Leonard, um, with a, so- a slightly softer schedule, slightly. Um, and, uh, but, but a lot of other moving parts around him. Um, we'll see how it goes. I, I think that he was certainly well worth the effort, but it's not a, it's, it, it's certainly debatable whether, you know, you could have, uh, or Will Howard or, a, or a, uh, 
Dylan Gabriel or, you know, yeah, I mean, there's a variety of guys that have put up bigger numbers um, or uh, just have won bigger games to this point. I mean, Riley Leonard uh, uh, just doesn't doesn't really have it uh, yet. He doesn't have that red, the potential and the physical capabilities and apparently the the makeup and the person that um, that excite the coaching staff and um, and you know he also didn't try to play the portal game when Ohio State was caught with uh, Kyle McCord on the move um, he you know, apparently was interested there Auburn would have backed up the truck uh, to uh, Fairhope Alabama if if uh, Riley Leonard wanted to go for the last dollar and his girlfriend from every indication you know is an is an Auburn uh, student. But um, he's here. He's going to be at Notre Dame. And uh, so that's that's a good indication. So they, they both see the opportunity. It should be a good match. But who's calling the plays, Tom? Who's going to be calling the plays? We will get to that because that wraps our first segment of all the future Irish players as far as whether they're high school prospects or transfer portal guys. We'll take a break, come back, talk about the current situation of Notre Dame football. A few topics to get to here. We'll get to that right after this. Back on the Pot of Gold, the holiday edition here for Thursday, December 21st. We're talking Notre Dame football. Spent the first part of the show with recruiting because Wednesday was National Signing Day. So we talked high school seniors. We talked transfer portal guys. Talked Riley Leonard. Talked pronunciations and spellings and all periods and all that stuff. Now we'll talk current Notre Dame football. And if we're going to talk current Notre Dame football news, we'll have to start with the news of Jared Parker. Remember him? Offensive coordinator for one year in 2023. I believe it was last, it was a week ago this Thursday, week ago today. Jared Parker flew to Dallas and interviewed for the head coaching position at Troy. A couple days later, they talked to him again. A day later, he was hired. So Notre Dame football fans get their wish editorial right now. A guy that they really never gave a chance because he was the third choice. Andy Ludwig, Colin Klein. It was Jared Parker. He can't do this. He can't do that. Jared Parker kind of maybe, maybe, maybe kind of sensed that there was a little, just a little unrest from the Notre Dame fan base as far as his offensive coordinator skills. So he is out as offensive coordinator. He's a head coach now at Troy. And Notre Dame will be in the market for its third offensive coordinator in as many years. Surprise, yeah. Mr. Berardino? No, it's uh, it. it uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that they could pull this off so seamlessly. I wish uh, we could think, but um, I'm not back. It's perfect. Uh, you know, uh, some some kind of change. Um, may have needed to, to happen there uh, to appease, to keep everybody happy. It's not just the fan base that, that has a voice in this, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, well, there's donors to the fund and there's, uh, you know, you hear other universities talking about having to appease, you know, donors here or there. I can't imagine any university big time sports machine is, is uh, protected from that. You got a new athletic director coming on board. Um, there's a new contract with NBC uh, extension. You're going to have to keep, happy and um and uh, points uh, tend to keep everybody happy and when it mattered the opponents uh were uh, were big time um 
Notre Dame's offense uh, bogged down. We've been over that. So, um, mm-hmm. Jared Parker, uh, you know, other other than the idea that Marcus Freeman's second year as a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati was better, and Al Golden's second year as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame was better, there wasn't really much to lean on the idea that uh, Jared Parker would would call better plays on third and four. Um, um, but maybe he would uh, I, as a as an ambassador for a program, as a as a as a recruiter, as a as a good you know, communicator and good person and, and likable, just sound that when he talks, it just sounds like college football in a way that Keith Jackson used to sound like college football, but Keith Jackson never had to call a play on third and four. So, um, yeah. So uh, I think Jared Parker running got a chance to do that under tough circumstances in Purdue. Um, but, uh, you know, when Owen team that was just over, matched but um this will be interesting troy's got it going they had it going under the john summerall who's gone on to new uh to to, to lane and um 23 wins in the last two years so they're pretty good um and they'll have to keep that going but um um i think that it's uh, probably a win-win for all the parties that uh that there's a change here the only thing you do wonder about is um you know another bitch he's still but uh, you know, second straight year where the the portal quarterbacks identified and and signs on, and then uh, oh, your your coordinator and possibly your whole offense will be different uh, depending wow. on who is the new person. Marcus Freeman said on Wednesday there is no timeline as far as a hiring situation for a new offensive coordinator. It will be quote a national search, says Gino Gaduli. <laughs> Gino Gaduli, the quarterback coach, will serve as the offensive coordinator for the Sun Bowl. He's been at Notre Dame for a year. He also said, Marcus Freeman said, that Goodilly will be considered for the job. But you know what? If you're Notre Dame, why don't you just go out and find the best candidate and the, the best guy to be the offensive coordinator? Kevin Johns, Mike Denbrock. Where, where is this whole search going? There's been no really no movement. I don't expect really. I don't expect any movement before the Sun Bowl. But where do you think this whole thing's going, Mike Berardino? Oh. Well, uh, it'll be uh, far flung. I think um, you know it, it's going to be. I, I don't. I don't have a sense. I'm not going to make a prediction on it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, something we could talk about is you know is Mike Denbrock. Uh, if you can get Mike Denbrock back here, is that uh, uh, the home run hire that some portray it as? Do we can we say that for sure? Um, or was uh, you know the fact that he's been here twice before? Um, and, and knows the lay of the land. Of course, the lay of the land anywhere is quite different than it was in 2016. You have to admit that. But the fact is that Cincinnati successfully uh, known quantity to Freeman. Don't even know if he's truly gettable if, if he's got a three-year extension lined up at LSU, signed or not. He's got that in the, in the works, apparently, and it's going to bring him right in line with what Tommy Reese gets at Alabama, you have to believe. But even if they could uh, make Mike Denbrock the highest paid uh, coordinator in the game um, at age 60, I believe. Um, uh, you know him. I don't know him. I just know the work. Um, is is it that simple? You go, you, you exhaust all possibilities to get him and then move on from there. Um, uh, certainly there's others that uh, both the Moore brothers, I think, could be gotten. But mm-hmm. Kellen it's, it with the Chargers 
is on shaky ground, but has, is a proven commodity calling plays going back to his Cowboys days. And Kirby Moore at, at Mizzou is, is a hot commodity. But Mike Denbrock, let's just stick to him. Um, do you back up the truck for him? Uh, or there's, do you, um, do you, is there something you need to hear in terms of philosophy if you're Marcus Freeman? Of course, you know him. You already know him right. uh, from the Cincinnati. Um, what do you think? One aspect of this situation is the fact that Marcus Freeman did work with Mike Denbrock in Cincinnati. Now, you said, I have no idea who Mike Denbrock is. I was not on the Notre Dame football beat when he was here in serving in, in his roles under Brian Kelly. I don't know if he's a home run hire. What, were, did, did you cover Notre Dame football when Mike, Mike Denbrock was, was up here earlier? No, no. The only thing I can say about Mike Denbrock's work is uh, that he came in here with Cincinnati in 21 with and of course staff and all kinds of cross pollination there with the, right. with the current Notre Dame staff in Cincinnati. So, you know, they, they all, they all he, he knows all everybody's nickname. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, but they came in here with Desmond Ritter, a guy who could beat you running in passing and Desmond Ritter, you know, darn near got to the Heisman finalist group. He had a, a heck of a year in 21 and Riley Leonard's a little like Desmond uh, Ritter, I'd say, um, in some of the, the capabilities, but um, that's you know you're not you're not making this hire for just the one year, or you just go bring in Kevin Johns, who was on the periphery of last year's search, right? I mean, his name certainly came up um, early in the process. I don't know if it, I don't believe it got to an interview, but Kevin Johns is pretty established and is available, and and uh, just worked with Riley Leonard the past two years. That's you know that's kind of a I don't see that that would be a problem, but. Um, you know, there's 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 in there's in the outside the box kind of things. You know that uh, Jason Candle, Toledo will be talked about again. Will there be another head coach, uh, Joe Moorhead, and a head coach who comes back to coordinating because it's Notre Dame because he just can't seem to break into the hour two or three or whatever it is now. And um, uh, you know, there's then there's you know, people like Ken Dorsey are available called plays successfully at the NFL level, lost out in a power struggle with Joe Brady. You know, Ken Dorsey's a guy that I think you should talk to. Frank Reich's sitting out there at home. Frank Reich's a proven guy who knows how to do it. Uh, the former Colts and former Panthers coach, a Super Bowl champion with the Eagles. There's all, there's you know, if it's going to be a true far-flung thing, but um, there's a lot of names you could talk to. Um, that you could, you could, I this. Who they bring in, the no will, not convinced until those third and four calls are consistently among the national nation's best come the fall against the big time competition. Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, that's not going to cut it. It's going to have to be the AM game, going to have to be Louisville when it comes in, Florida State, USC. You're going to have to carve them up. But um, who do I leave? I mean, who's in? J- <laughs> There's all kinds of like, like Jason Garrett. On, on, on maybe you let them be your coordinator. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that uh, would cover this. Thing I'm pretty sure Byron Leftwich. He's not going to talk his way into anybody's list of potential candidates because I don't think he's a candidate. So it'll be a national search, and whoever it is, it has to run more. It has to run a lot more smoother than last year's search is. The last year's search with for an offensive coordinator. How important is it for Marcus Freeman to stick this offensive coordinator higher and not have last year's circus repeat this year? 
Yes. Um, so uh, important, uh, vital. Um, every, uh, and that's not just his job. That's the whole flow of command of information of, of vetters uh, in that athletic department. And you're doing this in a, you know, Jack Schwarbrick's still here and still running things, but it's a handoff time. And to Pete Bavacqua, we're in this transitional time. It's not, it's not fully done. It doesn't appear, but uh, everybody's buyout is going to have to be known fully in advance. And you're not putting anybody, you're not buying, you're not booking any flights at all until you know the buyout and you know <laughs> that the buyout is covered. So like Kirby Moore at Mizzou, that's an easy buyout. I mean, it's it, it, from what I've seen, um, you know, it's going to drop, it's going to be cut in half from like 850,000 to 425,000. I think it just happened today. I think today's the day where, uh, you know, that threshold's covered. And so that's, you know, that's pocket change, 425 for a, a program like Notre Dame. But the the ones like Ludwig uh, and potentially Colin Klein last time, you know, that might have been um, something, uh, uh, seven figures. And uh, it, that's that was potentially the stumbling block. But um, there may have been more that's still uh, – but certainly you got to have that all figured out so that when you put some – Somebody, you know all the numbers and you know all the peculiarities of anybody's rollover aspect, and that's not something Marcus Freeman should have to be doing. His around him have to bring uh, all that to the fore and 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 vet all that properly. Uh, I, I'm, you know, knowing uh, how agents in sports work, and they're always uh, one. Of course, in college, in college sports. You know, it's just a very small handful of those that control all the big names. And as you become a bigger name as a coordinator, you invariably gravitate and get uh, scooped up by one of the big uh, sharks. But um, even so, there's there's fine print, and you better know it in advance. Marcus Freeman, uh, yes, he must nail this because they've invested again heavily in the transfer portal, and they've they've got C.J. Carr here and. Uh, for now, Angeli and Minchie, and quarterback uh, determines so much. And the other problem is everybody at home, and then of course we do it too, everybody's an armchair coordinator. Everybody thinks they know the better call. So it's in a, in a way that defensive coordinators don't have to deal with. Offensive coordinators are the easiest to set at every level um, be, because everybody thinks they, you know, they, they can see it. They can see the personnel. It's not as, it's not as mysterious. Um, and uh, everybody's played enough video games, enough Madden. But as Marcus Freeman told us in November, uh, being an OC is, in college football is not like Madden. It's important to remember that sometimes. So you better get somebody who's done it before. You better get somebody who's done it under extreme pressure, not just in the moment, but from the media and the fan base. You better have somebody who can explain why it didn't go well succinctly not like I'm doing right now. You have to be succinct <laughs> in a way that Tom East was when it didn't go perfectly well for Notre Dame. And now even at Alabama early on, he, he didn't have to explain it, but I I'm, I'm, can imagine he had to explain it privately to Nick Saban, and he could um, almost certainly do it succinctly. If you ask, why didn't that work? You need to be able to answer it in 30 seconds or less. 15 seconds would be even better. And um, that's, who, that's what the next person will have to do. Okay, 30 seconds or less. We've talked about the offensive coordinator spot on Marcus Freeman's staff. He has filled two spots on his staff since we last potted. Wide receivers coach is now Mike Brown, and the director of sports performance is Lauren Landau. 
What do we know about those two guys? A 30 seconds or less? Okay. 40. <laughs> Starts now. Four, I, I, Go. Mike Brown. I wrote about Mike Brown. Uh, check out IndieInsider.com and South Bend Tribune. Um, you know, that's another guy who is well-known from the Cincinnati group. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that Luke Fick had given Mike Brown the title of uh, um, passing game coordinator and at Wisconsin as they moved to Wisconsin a year ago. But Mike Brown gives that up to come back here as his coach. But uh, currently, Gino Gadulli, passing game coordinator, you know, for read into these things what you will. But uh, Mike Brown, very impressive in the press conference and uh, um, a proven developer. That was the word for Marcus Freeman used, a proven developer of, uh, of talent and even guys that um, it weren't necessarily you know, rated five stars, four stars coming in because he's sent second and third and fourth rounders, Alec Pierce, that 2021 game. The guys that Notre Dame couldn't cover in that 2021 game, well, Mike Brown was the wide receiver coach. Um, I think I was uh, you know, in a very tough spot. They moved quickly to get a guy who you wouldn't have thought necessarily was available, and they got him. So that's good. Fine recruiter, very good in the Chicago area, apparently knows the Midwest, having been at Cincinnati and um, and was and now Notre Dame. And then um, Lauren Landau um, is kind of – that's a Brady Quinn production, it seems. Brady Quinn giving um, – that was a big one. It took him a while, but Brady Quinn telling a Denver's uh, TV nine um, that because uh, Landau's very much a Colorado area guy, Denver guy, that um, that Stedman Hawkins Clinic you always used to hear about. All the skiers would go there. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually became the Landau Clinic because um, he's really good with the Olympic athletes and women's soccer and and even gymnast, well, the U.S. Olympic silver medalist Alicia Sacramoni. Um, Brady Quinn's wife uh, swears by this man who helped her get back uh, in record time from an Achilles. So, and Brady Quinn has believed in him for more than a decade, and and you still an active player. So that introduction, uh, the aforementioned fund, uh, uh, Quinn, you know, obviously involved with that, does his Fox uh, television stuff too. Um, but um, you know, that was that was a pretty useful guy to get this person who uh, the Denver Broncos moved on from mutually when Sean Payton got there because he had his own guys he wanted to bring in from New Orleans. Um, but uh, you know, Landau's knows how it works. Now, it, will it work in a team setting? He certainly can get individuals. He can indiv- ind- individualize a plan for any sport, any athlete, man, anything. Uh, you can imagine, but to bring that team dynamic together, uh, it did in his five years with the Broncos. A lot of injuries, a lot of losses. That on him, who knows? It, that's it's never that. That's something we'll be watching. Do the does the rate of injury, rapidity of return improve here at Notre Dame? Soft tissue stuff, especially. Uh, um, as he takes over, because this past year of transition with Fred Hale Jr., who may or may not, he's welcome to stay, but it's up to Lauren uh, Freeman said, will that um, improve in back to a way that it was when Matt Bayless was running things? As we sit here on December 21st, Mike Berardino, over under number of coaches that still may move out of this Notre Dame staff at two. 
two. You're setting it at two. I'm by when? What's the cutoff? Well, I don't know. By well, by, it, it, by uh, spring practice. The end of spring practice or the start of spring the practice? The start of spring practice. Will we have two Starts, more yeah. staff changes on Marcus Freeman's staff for 2024? Over You're under. talking uh, coaches, actual coaches? Or yep. the, the, uh, the, the GA sport staff? No, coaches on field. Like Max, somebody's going to grab Max Bulla. You think somebody, somebody out there will make him a full time staffer somewhere? Um, like grab uh, Rawlings, but um, um, it's going to be a nice opportunity for what Caleb Carbine to the tight ends coach at the uh, Sun Bowl. He heard good things from the tight ends about him uh, going back to fall camp. But but the actual who you think of as the remaining staff? I'm going to go. That's I mean. That's tricky. Uh, the inclination is to go under because uh, – but you're going to be bringing in a new OC who is inheriting a very good group around him but might want to have, if he comes from the outside, might want to have particular positions coached by particular people. And Notre Dame offers as – I'm going to have to go over just because of the OC – change because Notre Dame staffers, especially with Dylan McCullough's history in the NFL and Joe Rudolph is a known quantity. Um, Gino very well regarded. If they do go outside and it feels like they will, um, you're, you're not doing that to just say, well, new OC, you, you have to get to know these guys. Um, so just by that alone, uh, you could see, you could see now Mike Brown, I have to believe uh, stays, but um but who knows how these things go? The NFL is always interested in Notre Dame assistance, it seems. Right. So we'll see what happens with that. What do you got? The, what are you going with? I, I, I'm going over. I'm going to go over. I yeah. think there will there will, there will be at least, yeah there will be there'll be at least one name that we say okay yeah we see we understand why uh, he he decides to move on and then maybe maybe some, some like you said the NFL where Brian Mason parlayed what he was able to do on special teams last year into a job with the Indianapolis Colts so. I'll go over right now. There'll be changes on the, on the staff. And speaking of changes, as far as opt-outs on this current team, we knew about Sam Hartman, Audric Estime, Joe Walt, Maris Leofau, Cam Hart, all out for the Sun Bowl, which was kind of odd. But if, if J.D. Bertrand had opted out, all four captains from 2023 would not have played. But J.D. Bertrand is in. Those opt-outs are out. Also, Blake Fisher. He is decided not to play in the bowl game. And then when we're watching practice on Tuesday, we got some news that we didn't expect when we're sitting there watching and, and basically taking names and numbers because we saw 15 minutes. So it's a, it's a scramble to see who's out there. And Mike Berardino says, what happened to this guy? Who was Thomas it? Harper. Yeah. Thomas Harper. Yeah. And uh, he was a soft opt-out. And uh, <laughs> nobody nobody – Nobody announced it. Quiet, quiet opting out. I guess he invented that. I hope he. I'm, I'm told that he's healthy. It wasn't an injury reason. Uh, he just, they just didn't put together a thank you Notre Dame graphic for him. And if I'm Thomas Harper, I feel kind of cheated by that because those graphics are great and we we include them in our opt out tracker at ndinsider.com every single time. There was no fancy uh, graphic for Thomas uh, to to uh, say goodbye. And uh, he was really useful this year, an excellent tackler, as I point out in the uh, tracker, that uh, he's the sixth best because he was a slot corner, really. You know, you, however you call him, nickel back, nickel safety. He was always covering the slot. 
And he was the sixth most efficient tackler. He only missed like three tackles all year, including mm-hmm. special teams. That's Jack Kaiser range. So he deserves a graphic, and and I still would like to see that graphic, and we'll include it if they do it. But um, and a and a fine pickup from Oklahoma State, who had to come back from a labrum tear uh, and miss spring practice largely. So um, that's an encouraging thing for say um, like Bo Collins coming out of the receiver coming off of a fascia tear, a plantar fascia area and the foot. And um, uh, fasciitis? that's, well, it's yeah, not well, exact. No, it's, and, and I don't want to bog this thing down with, with this too, but, but Dr. it's, um, Bird, it's, you know. oh, I, it's, uh, it's, it's more, it, there's other varieties. That's what I thought too, producer Jerry. I thought immediately, oh, he must have the plantar fasciitis, but uh, um, Dabo called it a, a fascia tear which you know i don't know that's isn't that part of your roof or something or side of the roof but but no it's a serious it can be a very serious thing in the foot but Mar- i asked marcus freeman about it yesterday at the press conference about uh, the actual uh exams were they able to do exams on both riley leonard with the foot or the ankle and the toe that ended his season and howard cross the third knows all about that having sacked him and uh and and Bo Collins, who couldn't uh, go in the last game, and um, and he said that Rob Hunt and in the medical team, uh, both uh, in, in the calls and the assessments of the of the exams they'd already seen, and then physically uh, hands on exam on the official visit gave him good to go. But t- I brought that all up because Thomas Harper showed that off season lingering injuries, even if you miss spring ball, now it'd be different for Leonard, but. Uh, even if you miss spring ball as as a non quarterback, you can you can come back from that and be very useful. But you just might not get a goodbye graphic when you opt out. More seven person- opt outs. Seven opt outs. More personnel news for the Sun Bowl: Javante John Baptiste, Michael Vinson, and DJ Brown all named as captains for this bowl game. Their final bowl game or their final game for Notre Dame. They'll join JD Bertrand as a captain against Oregon State. Uh, quarterback news. Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine both coming back to Notre Dame, neither to play football in the spring semester. Tyler Buckner will finish up his academics and play lacrosse. He played lacrosse in high school out in San Diego. Drew Pine will finish up his academics in the spring and then move on to play. I believe he still has two more years of eligibility. At least he says three. Years. Yeah, he I was says say, three because the medical he can do a yeah he can do a medical uh, waiver because he only played played two games and none of them were after week six this year. So he got so beaten up so early. He's, he's Drew Pine loves Stetson Bennett and he's determined to play. He's going to take a college snap at age 26. He's just got to hang around. Just wait for it. He will take a college snap at 26 somewhere. He'll be 20 years old and still playing college football <laughs> as a quarterback. And speaking of quarterback, we're almost an hour into the show and we have not addressed the fact that the starting quarterback for the Sunball will be Steve Angeli. What do you like about Steve Angeli making his first career start next week in El Paso? Uh, he deserves it, and uh, considering what's gone on, and uh, with Hart out, Hartman hadn't opted out. I think it would have been wise. I think mm-hmm. you were on record saying that a while ago. But um, let's see what he can do. It's a, it's it. You know, that's a stout defense in general. Uh, before all the opt outs and the transfers, now who knows? They're down to the third-string quarterback, Oregon State. So it's a spot where Steve Jelly should succeed. The weather will be 
uh, you know, spotty, most likely, as history tells us, no matter what our, our, our friend uh, told us, Bernie Olivas, uh, who said that it's going to be uh, beautiful, but uh, and hopefully it will be. But um, Angeli has been very efficient. Stanford throw aside, um, he's um, – He's really good at avoiding the mistake. I'd like to see him putting some balls in some tighter windows, uh, uh, make some challenge throws. And um, uh, but if you're Notre Dame and you're Geno and you're calling plays that day, you don't really want to show. You want to win the game. That's first. But you're not looking necessarily to go showcase Steve Angeli's many skills because there's still some programs out there looking for quarterbacks. And um, and that's why. Um, uh, I think it's just fascinating that there will be a guy who hasn't played lacrosse since high school or early high school and a guy who uh, just needed some time to heal up who would just be uh, hanging around campus in the spring <laughs> doing some academic work, taking some American studies classes. I think it's brilliant to have guys like that just at a phone call away. Uh, that's why I asked Marcus if they could, if Buckner and Pine in any way could be football assets even if it's just to help guys with the playbook, even if it's just to mentor uh, C.J. Carr, show Riley Leonard around, have lunch with Riley, you know, tell him what it's like to be the Notre Dame quarterback. But he, he downplayed all that, said no, didn't see didn't, – they're here for lacrosse. I, that's a national championship lacrosse team. You don't just walk in and say, you know, I used to play a little lacrosse. I think I'm going to play lacrosse. He's that's the national play. championship. Yeah, he is. What not, are we talking about? He is not going to play. Uh, do 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 they regard lacrosse stats as major minutes? Like he's not going to play major minutes at, at for the Notre Dame lacrosse program. Like you said, they won a national championship last year. They don't need Tyler Buckner. <laughs> they don't. That's, he it's an of uh, no. And and you know his sister is an uh, his younger sister Paige is an excellent well regards soccer player and that's a heck of a women's soccer team that could have you know had threatened to go to the final four as well but um she didn't play a minute this year so it's hard mm-hmm. to get on i would say over that's a fun over or, or you know who's going to have the most minutes uh you know in the coming season um or or just say will tyler buckner get a single minute on the field in a lacrosse game this year i'm not sure that he will but i do know that he'll be if this all holds up, he and Pine will just be a short ride away, a, few, a short walk away across campus. If Steve Angeli gets an itch to go back east and and be a be a starting quarterback at a different program somewhere, that's the first call you make. But then which one? Which one do you call? That's that's there's that too. Um, I neither think of uh, them. it's all funny. neither of them. It's all well. Neither of them. You're not no. asking to come start. You're just you're just asking for that. He want he, you know we've been round and around on how many scholarship quarterbacks you want to have. They did ask Dylan Devizen to move back to wide receiver. He's a quarterback. Uh, he never played wide receiver. The Holder Dylan, um, as I noted the other day, um, he's been moved out of the quarterback room, so they feel well situated there. But hey, that portal that'll open again after will uh, open, and, yep. and um, that's why I'm only bringing it up because uh, Steve Angeli. Uh, has to be itching to, as Jeremiah Love said about his own Sun Bowl, uh, get a glimpse of what he can do. It's time for Steve Angeli to give the world a glimpse of what he can do. I don't think it's uh, the best case for Notre Dame to allow that to happen. We'll see what happens with that. 
That's the Steve Angeli talk. We're running way long on this podcast. We got one more break to take. We'll come back, wrap it up with predictions and what we see from the Oregon State Beavers right here on Pot of Gold at the WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. Back on the Pot of Gold, we'll wrap this segment up with our predictions for Oregon State because Marcus Freeman can say what he wants, the players can say what he wants from my point of view and who gives a darn what I think. This still feels like a glorified spring game. It does. It's a spring. It feels like a spring game. Marcus Freeman and everybody else associated with Notre Dame can say also say what they want about why getting to 10 wins is important. Yeah, that's great. You're going to win 10 games, but at the end of the day, you're still going to win a Sun Bowl game against, the, against Oregon State. And you didn't, beat Oregon, you didn't beat Ohio State, you didn't beat Clemson, and you didn't beat Louisville. But you're going to win a, a, a Sun Bowl game against Oregon State with a backup quarterback and as many as nine new starters on offense. That's why we have not broken down what this Sun Bowl game means as far as what Oregon State issues are going to be, they're going to, to, give, the, to give Notre Dame, what problems are, are going to crop up, what this game means from a bigger picture. It's the Sun Bowl. I know it's important for the people of El Paso. They've sold a ton of tickets. It's a Notre Dame kind of town. When Notre Dame comes to town, they show out and they show up. They sold out the 50,000-seat Sun Bowl for that game. But from a big-picture perspective, when you're looking at Texas A&M next year, you're looking at Ohio State, Clemson, all the big games that Notre Dame played this year. This is just another game, and great. If they win it, they get to 10 wins. Congratulations, guys, but you didn't get the right 10 wins. That's my, that's my feeling on what the Sun Bowl is. Well, I can I can hardly wait to get on the plane on Christmas morning and get tell. down there. Thanks for firing me up there. I'm ready to go. Uh, yeah, you know, it, this would have been a fascinating game. You know, I own I own my ridiculous statements, and um, and you do too. You don't make any, but I, I make a lot of ridiculous statements. And and I before the year said Ohio State was my shot to get into the college football playoff. Just kind of a finger in the eye of of the establishment since they didn't get to go along with the other uh that they were the remaining two-pack and uh along with washington state well that didn't happen and uh dj uyungalele is is out and and the backup uh, is gone Childs, i guess and and now it's down to a third string quarterback and it's going to be just a strange exercise you're right and but at the end of the day the all the I, and i hate that why did i say at the end of the day but I, that all the records will show going forward for perpetuity. I believe that Notre Dame will have ended this year as a 10 win team. And it'll be Marcus Freeman's first 10 win season all on his own. And that'll be uh, important if he can string only important if he can string together numerous and nothing lower than 10 win seasons going forward, because that's the expectation. But I'm really excited to see just how many missed tackles I'm going to be charting this that Oregon state gives us, (laughs) On the, on the uh, Sun Bowl on December 29th because um, even when they had a full complement of players and Jonathan Smith was still the coach and, and the current uh, guy, like, tells you something about Oregon State that this uh, Trent Bray, uh, mm-hmm. B-R-A-Y, it was the defensive coordinator, going to be the head coach eventually, but he's not coaching this game no. uh, because he doesn't want to be anywhere near uh, the, the uh, responsibility for a team that even in a full complement – was dead last among 133 FBS teams in tackling efficiency. Dead last, the worst. 
their actual scoring defense was 33rd in the country, but they can't tackle to save their lives. How they held teams to 21 points a game, tackling that poorly, I'm I'm just amazed by. I didn't I didn't see much of Oregon State this year, but um, uh, we're going to see plenty of them, uh, I guess, on uh, December 29th. Can't wait. I can tell. <laughs> That's right. All right. That's right. All right, is, this prediction. Where, is this where we make predictions? Yeah, prediction time. Give me your prediction. Oregon State, Notre Dame, Sun Bowl, December 29th, El Paso, Texas. Mike Bernardino will be there for the South Bend Tribune. Notre Dame 24, Oregon State 14. There you go. Mine will be more of a defensive battle. I think the weather right now, I looked this morning before we started our podcast, 60 degrees and sunny in El Paso, but that may change. It could be 30 and snowing for all anybody knows. So it'll be a defensive battle. A lot of tackles or missed tackles or missed opportunities. I'm going to go Notre Dame 17, Oregon State 6. The Irish get to 10 wins. We see Steve Angeli. The Steve Angeli era, however long it goes at Notre Dame, begins with a win. And we'll see. Stay tuned. That's it. We're done. We're, we're Notre Dame men's basketball. We don't have time for Notre Dame men's basketball. We'll start talking about Notre Dame men's basketball when they start winning. How about that? I'll keep you to it. We okay. Not, we, I'll keep you to that. We, we, we may not have a podcast the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. You said it, not me. You cover the hey, team. Hey, you lose by 20 to the Citadel, man. You don't know what's going on. They're going to lose on Friday. If they don't, I'll say I knew it all along. So for Mike Berardino, for producer Jerry, I am Tom Noy. This has been Pot of Gold recorded live at the WNDU Studios, your home for Countdown to Kickoff. We'll talk to you maybe sometime in January. Stay tuned. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff.